Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's series in the book of Hebrews called Our Superior and Sympathetic High Priest. Here's part two of his first teaching in chapter one, verses one through three, called God Has Spoken to Us. So he's spoken through the world and through his word. And that's where the the writer is going in the early verses in Hebrews. We have a whole Bible here. And God spoke. He spoke in days. He spoke long ago to a couple of different groups here in verse 1. The fathers. And then it says in the prophets. And when you think of the fathers, you can think of the fathers of the uh, nation of Israel. You can think of Abraham. God appeared to Abraham. What did he tell him? Tell him told him, leave your country. Go. I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to take you to a land, a land, the land of promise. He promised him a son from his own body. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Isaac. God spoke to Jacob. Those are considered the fathers, if you will. Romans 9.5 confirms that. These are the Jewish fathers, the fathers of the Jewish nation. He also spoke through the prophets. Just backing up for a second and thinking about the ways that God has spoken. We've talked about the world. The world speaks day and night, morning and evening, if you will. God has not been quiet. But he also has spoken to the fathers and the prophets and through the prophets. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Think about Jacob wrestling with God. Think about the burning bush, Mount Sinai, Manoah and his wife. Uh, These all happen in human history. God spoke and he spoke and he spoke again. He spoke to Samuel. He spoke to David. He spoke in the power of Sinai and the powerful soldier that appeared in Joshua 5 to Joshua, to Elijah in a still small voice in 1 Kings 19. I know I'm going fast, but You can go back and listen to this if you want to write this down. Visions came to Ezekiel and Daniel. Sometimes these prophets like Isaiah were called to perform strange and even bizarre symbolic uh, acts. Hosea was even called to marry a woman who would be unfaithful to him to speak of God's love for his people. R. Kent Hughes says these words, Through God's cosmic and prophetic eloquence, men and women rose to live life on the highest plane. Abraham achieved the faith to offer his own son. Moses withstood the Pharaoh with mighty miracles. David slew Goliath. Daniel achieved and maintained massive integrity in Babylon. But in all of this, as grand as it was, it was nevertheless fragmentary and still lacking. Close quote. If I were to go through all the people that we could talk about in the Old Testament, you know we would be here for many hours, wouldn't we? Talking about the lives that intersected with the God of the Bible and how they were transformed and how God's power was on display and how he changed trajectories of people's lives and families and destinies. And this room is filled with people who have had the same experience through the power of the gospel, amen? 
Some of you are first-generation Christians. Some of you have had your, your whole life transformed, your marriage transformed, your family transformed, the trajectory of what you would do with your life because of this God. And that's who he is, and that's the way it should be. That's what he does. F.F. Bruce puts it this way. Priest and prophet, sage and singer, were in their several ways his, his spokesman, yet all the successive acts in various varying modes of revelation in the ages before Christ uh, before Christ came did not add up to the fullness of what God wanted to say. He spoke, but he has spoken his final word through his son. And we're going to get to that in a moment. Jesus said to his own disciples, blessed are your eyes because they see your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, Many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. They prophesied, uh, some of them, of the coming Christ, the servant of Yahweh, the Lamb of God, but they didn't know what he was going to look like. They didn't specifically even know the time frame in which he would come. Peter, if you turn over to 1 Peter, which is a little bit to your right, sums this up, 1 Peter chapter 1. Just a few pages to your right, you'll get to 1 Peter. Take a look. This is an amazing few verses. 1 Peter 1.10 says, As to this salvation, 1 Peter 1.10, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know, the prophets wanted to know, what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Peter says that the prophets, as God, back to Hebrews 1, spoke to the fathers and in and through the prophets in many portions, in many ways, they didn't fully know how this was all going to, you know, come to pass and what it would look like and all of that. And there is an idea here that the early church, as Peter writes to them, he's saying, look, when they were pondering these things, and even angels were longing to look in and peer into these things, they realized that there was an epiphany that it wasn't about them. It was about you. And I can extend that out to you. It was about the first century audience, but it was also about you. You see, they were prophesying things to come, not knowing fully everything that was coming to them and through them by God But it was for you that this was happening. That you might hear of the Christ. That you might receive the good news of salvation. That your life and destiny might be changed. That is our God. And he wants to use your life and my life for even generations to come. I don't know who uh, my life is going to impact. I don't know know how it's going to ripple out. But I do know this. God can do that. Some of you read people who have been gone for a couple hundred years or maybe even longer, and their testimony is still speaking. Missionaries and, you know, uh, reformers and whoever else you like to read. And so this is the amazing beauty of our God. He has spoken, and he has spoken 
in these last days. So you can see at the end of verse 1, Hebrews 1.1, there's been a great variety in which God has spoken in many portions. There's a play on the Greek language here. But it it speaks in in many different ways God made himself manifest. I mentioned some of them, the burning bush. He appears to uh, Abraham as a traveler. He appears to Joshua as, you know, the captain of the armies of the Lord. He appears to Manoah and his wife. He reveals himself to Isaiah. He reveals himself to Elisha and Elijah. And on and on it goes. It wasn't just once that God spoke, although that would be enough. But in many portions and in many ways, God has not been silent. God has spoken in the very history in which we are embedded. And that's what the writer is saying in verse 1. Many different ways, many different people, many different times. You've all heard, you know, the Bible is 66 books written by 40 plus authors, written on three different continents, but with one central theme, God's redemptive plan for mankind. Amen? God has spoken. He's spoken through creation. He's spoken through our conscience. He's spoken through the word of God, and he has spoken through Christ. And that's where the writer is going. He says, in these last days, verse 2, Hebrews 1, he has also spoken, but notice, he's spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. I'm going to give you seven things that we'll move through rather quickly that's said about Christ here in these verses. But in these last days, in the days of the Messiah, leading all the way to the second coming, He has spoken to us in his son. Flip ahead to Hebrews 9 just for a second. I want to show you that it's not just talking about the last days of the coming of the Messiah, although scholars would say that's, it encapsulates, you know, that arrival of the Messiah until he comes again. Notice in Hebrews 9, there's a mention of the consummation of the ages, and it says this. Hebrews 9.27, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many, note it, will appear a second time, that's your second coming, for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. When Christ comes the second time, It won't be about coming to pay for the sins of the world. That happened one time, once for all. That's Hebrews 10. We'll get there in a later study. But Christ is coming a second time. And it will have nothing to do with our sin. Now, it will be to judge the sinful people of the world. But it will be for the ultimate redemption. It will be for a new heaven and a new earth. It will be for us to have new bodies. It will be for a new beginning. for redemption to take on its final consummation. And so the book does include that as well in the idea of last days, back to Hebrews 1-2. But in these last days, God has also spoken, or he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the world. Some scholars see in Hebrews 1-2 a hint of what's called uh, early creed of the church or a creedal confession. Sometimes in uh, some of our Bible verses, it captures 
uh, things that the church would say around times of baptism or worship services. And some scholars see a hint of a creed here that through whom he made the world uh, might be a type of creed and no need to be dogmatic on that. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Through whom he made the world uh, might be a type of creed, and no need to be dogmatic on that. But the arrival of the Son of God is the ultimate way that God speaks. In fact, When you think about it, everything that Jesus did was God speaking. Because he declared in John 14, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 14, 9. How can you say, show us the Father? Have I been so long with you, Philip, and you don't know me? If you've seen me, or if I could put it this way, if you've heard me, you've heard the voice of the Father. Because I don't speak anything, John chapter 8, that I didn't first learn from him. John 8, 29 puts it this way. I only do those things that please my Father. Amen? So to watch Jesus touch a leper, heal the blind, raise someone from the dead, Uh, confront the Pharisees. Any image you have in your mind from the Gospels is God speaking. Because Jesus, if you like rhymes, is God in a bod. And all God's people said, yeah, that works for me. (laughs) I'm not trying to be irreverent here. God in a body, which we've studied many times together, amen? We've studied just recently the Incarnation. What does that mean? That God became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Dwelling among us. John 1, 1 famously puts it this way. You don't have to turn there. You know it. It says, it talks about Christ. In the beginning was the Word. Think about it. God has spoken. In the beginning was the Word. Some say you could translate this, the communication. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now in verse 14, it says, That Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. 
The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ, God in humanity, whatever he did, whatever he spoke, however he touched somebody, when he calmed the sea, when he cast out demons, it was the voice of the God-man. You are watching God in action. So the definitive, emphatic revelation, the ultimate revelation of God, though it happened through creation, though it happened, you could say, through our consciences, he's written his law in our hearts, though it, ha- though it happened through prophets, and he spoke to individuals and fathers and all of that, the ultimate revelation is Christ. God has spoken. And Jesus made it very clear that to behold him, you were beholding God. Of course, his full glory veiled in humanity. John 1.18 puts it this way. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father has explained him. John 1.18. That word for explained him is where we get the idea of exegesis. Now, that's a big word. What does that mean? When a pastor does what I'm doing right now and explains the Bible to you, and maybe I define a a Greek or a Hebrew word, or I give you the meaning or the context, I'm doing something called exegeting the Bible. What does that mean? It means I'm bringing out the meaning so that we can all learn together. Jesus Christ is the exegesis of God. He explains him. He declares him. This is all that this word means in John 1.18. He makes him known. So that when Jesus had a conversation with one of the disciples or the woman at the well or whatever, you're hearing God. This is why he's dated the calendar of the world. This is why the Christmas carols ring out in December and sometimes November. (laughs) Because of who he is, do you see? And to diminish him in any way, to uh, demote him like some groups do today, is blasphemy. And if you're a note-taker... Here's something that you can remember. If you want to make a defense for the deity of Christ, just remember John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, and Revelation 1. Four books, first chapter. John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, that's our chapter, Revelation 1. It's an open and shut case. Now, I'm not saying that there's not some difficulty in understanding the Godhead, (laughs) the Trinity. We all know that that can make our brain hurt. But what I am saying is that when Jesus Christ arrived, he was God's final word to our lost world. Do you you understand why so many people will use his name so flippantly? Do you understand why he is the dividing point for so many? You can talk about God generically, but you bring up the name Jesus, look out. Why? Why is he a lightning rod? Why? 
Why the controversy around the person of Jesus the Christ? I think we know why, don't we? I think we know why the enemy opposes him, why oftentimes people don't want to hear it. Because the declaration being made through Christ is that he has arrived as God among us. God tabernacling among us. If you want to simplify it, God has fully expressed himself in Jesus Christ. In Christ, Colossians 2.9, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Colossians 2.9. So when you looked at Christ, though his full glory was veiled in his humanity, you were seeing God. And I think when the realization was made of who he was among his intimate followers, it had to be mind-blowing. And this, this is the, the clear declaration of Scripture. The Son, unlike the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, thinking Daniel, Isaiah, whoever you want to name, Hosea, Habakkuk, well, unlike them, he is the creator and the heir. You've been listening to God Has Spoken to Us, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, chapter one, verses one through three. As always, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast, please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about walk in truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you have a question about, okay, you're talking about God speaking to us, but what do I do with my skeptical non-Christian coworker, friend, family member? You know, maybe I even go to church with someone who has a lot of questions. How do I prove quickly that God is there? Well, I would just say this. God has spoken through creation. I'll give you some C's. He speaks to us through conscience. Uh, we know it will either accuse or excuse us, Romans chapter 2. He has spoken to us in the very history in which we live through Christ coming into the world. And then you can also think of the canon of scripture and change lives around you impacted by the gospel. So we talk about creation, conscience. We talk about Christ, the canon of scripture and change lives. For example, the apostles or great missionary stories, or maybe someone who witnessed to you along the way. These are all ways to show that God is real. God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, Romans 1 verse 20, by what has been made, so that we are without excuse. Hey, the creations declare the glory of God. The the stars, the creation, I should say, declares the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. When you have a painting, you know there's a painter. You have a building, you know there's a builder. You have a creation, well, there's a creator. And his design and majesty and power are written all over it. Think of a human body. Think of 
your involuntary organs. Think of procreation, the healing of the body, the mind, the eye, a flower, the life under the sea, birds in flight, the stars, the moon, the universe. I mean, my friend, if you think this is a cosmic accident, it's got design, it's got God's fingerprints written all over it. This is how you can prove it. And so you can just say to someone, just look around, think logically. This can't be an accident of an explosion un, undirected for, you know, eons ago, whatever, however many years evolution is having at now. Rather, it, it screams. In fact, Psalm 19, day and night, it, pour for, it pours for speech of evidence that God is our creator. Well, hopefully that's helpful to you. Hey, if you want to know more, you got questions about, you know, how to show who the creator is, etc. Read Psalm 19, Romans 1, and you can always call us at 844-48-TRUTH if you have a question or we can pray with you. 844-48-TRUTH. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll see you right here tomorrow for part three on God Has Spoken. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast and with the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, called God Has Spoken to Us. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.